Amber and Amanda here. We'd like to introduce you to the newest podcast, Article 15, produced by Veterans Drinking Vodka Production and hosted by our good friend, Ryan Brazel. Article 15 is attempting to bring both awareness and an end to 22 veterans committing suicide every day. Ryan speaks with everyday veterans with everyday issues for veterans acclimated back into civilian life. New episodes are released every Friday. Check it out and don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Amber, what are you drinking today? Well, I'm using my go-to beverage, Bush Light. Bush Light, It's my go-to. Like, I can't, well, Keystone, but Keystone doesn't, I can't <laughs> find the orange, pretty orange Keystone Lot cans we're on now. So I'm going with the Bush Lot cans because they're orange. There you go. There you go. And the limited edition. Drink them while you got them. Right. <laughs> what are you drinking, Amanda? I'm currently no longer making my own drinks tonight, so I have a screwdriver. Oh, so you'll be able to hang for a while since they won't be heavily alcohol and making them at this current time. <sighs> will get me through the podcast without being. I don't think you've ever not made it through a podcast unlike myself. That is true. Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member was easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Ryan Brazel. Ryan served in the United States Navy from 2002 to 2007, active duty as a boatswain's mate, and he is now currently in the Navy Reserves. How are you doing today, Ryan? And what are you drinking? I'm doing all right. I'm drinking some Jack Honey. Oh, I love Jack Honey. Delicious. Are you drinking it straight on the rocks or are you drinking it mixed with something? Up on the rocks. Straight up on the rocks. It's the only way to do it. All right, Ryan, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how your journey started? All right, well, I'm originally from Chicago. It's where I got recruited out of. I guess it was... You know, I was 18, just like any other idiot that was uh, hadn't anything better to do, looking through the classifieds, and I thought it was funny that the, the Navy said that they had jobs now. So I highlighted it. When my dad got home, he laughed, and he's like, you don't strike me as a military type. And I was like, well, I'll show you. And then he pulled a, the Obi-Wan Kenobi and got me to join the military without telling me to join the military. I went I'm did still the trying to fathom the fact that you were looking through the classifieds. <laughs> well, there, well, I was, I was 18, and I had no future. I, I was not a student. I, 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 I could not learn to do chew gum and walk and talk at the same time if that's not what I was interested in. So, going to um, the downtown Chicago, city of Chicago colleges, it's city college, whatever it is, they, mm-hmm. it was not conducive for me at that age I was not ready to continue going on from right from high school after you know and then 9-11 had happened after I graduated but um it it was just not happening for me so I was looking through the classifieds Uh, a lot of it was uh, the UPS FedEx get your uh, CDL as you work type of deal so I was like you know what I saw the military thing and I, I highlighted it my dad told me that I wouldn't be able to make it so you know Joke's on me, I guess. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> so I called into a recruiter. His name is uh, Cedric Atkins. He just made senior chief. He's still in. I still talk with him. He was uh, EM1 at the time. and Or uh, EM3, sorry. He was an EM3. 
and I was supposed to be a master at arms. <laughs> so I finished my boot camp and they shoot me down to San Antonio, Texas at Lackland. And uh, apparently it's not okay to drink underage, whether you're in the military or not. So um, I lost that, went to the fleet undesignated. I went to John Paul Jones uh, as a deck seaman. I made third class. Uh, we did what was called a sea swap. I did my first deployment. It was a sea swap. Uh, so this stupid idea, I don't know who came up with it, but uh, the USS Higgins got underway in 02. They stayed underway on, on their deployment for their six-month deployment until March when they flew their entire crew. These are destroyers. They flew their entire crew back to San Diego, and they flew the, the crew of the Benfold, which is a similar destroyer, out to meet the ship in, I think they were in Australia at the time. And then for another six months, so now the ship has been out there for a year, they decided to fly the John Paul Jones crew, my crew, which is a destroyer, out to um, Dubai to meet up with the USS Higgins that's been out there for an entire year rusting up. So we, uh, we took over the Higgins, so we became the, uh, the Higgins now. How did you like Dubai? Dubai was, it was unbelievable. It was, uh, it was pretty wild. It was a working port for us, though. So we'd have to uh, work all morning long, like regular till 1600. And we were deck, so we worked yeah. rigged lights and shit like that. So, and then, we, then we'd finally get to go out into, uh, into actual Dubai, but we'd have like a Cinderella, Cinderella Liberty. Oh, we'd have to yeah. be back by a certain hour. So that kind of sucked. You'd only do so much. Right. Uh, it was all right. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. We did that deployment. We hit up, what did we hit? Australian Fiji on the way out in Hawaii. And then uh, in 05, we deployed again. Uh, I was a third. <laughs> this one was great. This, all good stories start, you know, when I was a when I was a bosun mate. So we I'd like already got all good stories start with one time I was drinking vodka. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't drinking because we were underway, but uh, I'd already gotten in trouble a couple of times. <laughs> but it didn't go anywhere. They just like, all right, no big deal. But uh, we. Uh, I'd fallen asleep out on uh, Port Lookout, and uh, I, I put myself in between the edge of the wing and a little gyro that's right there, the compass reader, and I, I just wedged my body in there so that I wouldn't fall or anything if I did fall asleep. And uh, the bosun mate of the watch had came out and checked on me and you know, kind of gave me a little hand in front of the face thing, and my LPO was up there. <laughs> And they were like, you fell asleep. I was like, no, nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I'm not sleeping. And they're like, that's it. You're going to captain's mast. So that was the beginning of our deployment. <laughs> that was, um, I would say it was May of 05. And uh, when we pulled into Hawaii, that's how, that's how early this deployment was. Uh, when we pulled into Hawaii, the captain got on. He's like, uh, we have a couple of new petty officers. <laughs> and they're like, BM3 Brazil. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what just happened? I just got done with DRB. What do you mean? What do you mean BM3? And uh, so we get, uh, we pull into port and I go to MA1. I was like, Hey man, am I going to have to, uh, am I going to have to put my crow on my whites? And he's like, are you going to be a third class when you go to see the old man? I was like, yeah. He's like, you better put it on then. I was like, motherfucker. Cause the day we got fracked was the day I had captain's mast. Oh. I was like, shit. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> did you get to keep it? 
I wound up getting to keep it. He gave me 15, 15 for uh, falling asleep on watch. He started, I wish he would have started off with that. He started off with, you know, it's during a time of war and you fell asleep on watch, which means I could have you shot per our UCMJ. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> I hope we, I hope we don't do that. So, um, but yeah, we like, as long as you don't get the big chicken dinner, you're not really in trouble. Oh no, man. He, uh, the fifteen fifteen didn't even do me any good. Cause while that was going on, we pulled into Japan or not Japan. Uh, we pulled into, uh, Tokyo. Where the hell do we, no, Hong Kong. Sorry. We pulled into Hong Kong and, uh, the Hong Kong Harbor of waters was so bad that it broke our Liberty ladder. Ooh. It broke it on all of the uh, the crafts that were with us. So I think it, we were rolling with, it wasn't the Stennis. Um, the Carl Vincent. We might've been with the Carl Vincent. I was going to say in 05? Yeah. Yeah. It might've been the Carl Vincent, but their Liberty ladder broke too. And like everybody's was breaking. So I wound up on a, uh, a Liberty boom because I was the one who runs the Liberty ladder. So I had to get it all hooked up and they had to chain fall it all the way back up. And I was stuck on the Liberty, the actual Liberty boom. So I wound up on uh, one of the Liberty boats and they were trying to figure out how to bring me back or how to bring everybody back from the Liberty boat that would be safe to get them back onto the ship. And the driver kept saying, no, 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 it's not safe. So then he's all of a sudden, he's like, I'm out of gas. We got to go back. I was like radio in my cheap, like, hey, boats, I got to go back. He's yelling and swearing from the ship. Don't you go anywhere. I was like, oh, man. My LPO, my my same LPO who put me up to Captain's Mast found out exactly what was going on and he was in port. So he scoops me up and takes me to some bar and gets me completely wasted and then sends me back to the ship. He's like, don't worry, man. I already talked to Chief. You're good, bro. It's like, oh, man. All right. So what actual duty stations did you have and which one was your favorite? Uh, duty stations. Yeah. The Higgins John Paul Jones was pretty much 32nd street, which was a lot of fun. Um, at one of my so most, you were in San Diego. Yep. West coast sailor. Hell yeah. Is there any other coast? Cheers, cheers to that. Oh, we don't even have to ask. You already answered. I know you already answered for us. Cheers to the West coast. Yeah. West coast. West coast. That was a great time. I, I did that one. I loved it. I, I met one some of the best friends that I've ever known. Um, one of my one of and I, I'll introduce you guys when we have a chance. Uh, my best friend Vincent Wainwright. He was an OS. He's out in Redondo Beach, California now. He's an entrepreneur as an administrative recruiter. Uh, he runs his own business. Fantastic guy. Always upbeat. Very positive person. So there was that one. And then I got out of active duty, went reserves. I was with NCHB7 up at Great Mistakes. Real good group of guys there. It was shutting down, though, kind of uh, dwindling. Uh, we got deployed. I was out in Balad, Iraq. And I would say this was probably the best uh, station that I had ever had. I had an amazing master chief, an, an okay chief, but my commander was unforgettable. Had some great. Uh, first classes, the LPOs, you know, they were all amazing. They, they, you can see a junior sailor completely shine when they have a great chain of command. Yeah. I, 
I'll cheers to that. We can cheers to that too. That sure. Cheers to a great Make it a junior sailor. That's that is so true. It's incredible when you have the right kind of chain of command. How much a junior sailor can flourish. Yeah, I was uh, I was only a third class at the time, but uh, a lot of the guys were like, "Dude, you the way I'm a bosun mate." So the way that I walked and talked was a lot different than you know people who are first classes but never served an active duty and they had been reserved their whole career. No, that that was amazing. And then uh, NCHB seven closed up after. Let me think. That would have been my third trip. We came back and I had that, you guys know what I'm talking about. When I say that itch, you got to go back type of itch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, you, you're, you're not serving your purpose. You're not part of something anymore and you need to go back and, and get back at it. Um, I wound up doing another one, 13 months out in Iraq. And then uh, by the time I got back from that one, NCHB7 then did, it did fold. And I wound up with ACU one, which is uh, a soft craft, a salt craft unit one. <laughs> They're also out of great mistakes, but I was this, and I know it's going to sound weird. It's called they cross had, assignment. Um, they had an assault craft unit out of Great Lakes. Yeah. 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 For the Canadians. Oh, that's cool. I'm just kidding. No, I was, um, they, I was they, on Ottawa, so we dealt with them all the time, but I didn't know that they were inland. ACU one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a reserve unit. It's like, they have a couple of them actually. Oh wow. <clears throat> so I know they're over at uh, NAB as well. I worked with them there. There's some good people. I, I got some really good friends from uh, the NAB group. Cause uh, I wound up with them in Oman later on with the Marines. <sighs> Let's see how that went. I, so I was with ACU one, but I was actually hard billeted to ACB one out in San Diego. Okay. But since ACU-1 was the closest boat unit, they were like, oh, you'll just stay with them. It's like, all right, fine, I'll do that. I would fly out to San Diego once a quarter for an entire week, every, every four, four times a year. It was awesome. Really great people out there. I wound up making first class out with them. I got my small uh, my Craftmaster pin with them, uh, went to Oman with them. It, it was good times. I learned a lot, uh, a lot of great leadership qualities out there. It was just it, the whole career, you know, it, it's been a blur and it's been 19 years now. Oh, well, coming up on 19 years. Yeah, I know you've been, you've been working it for a while. So what did you think of Oman? I went swimming there one time. <laughs> we didn't, we weren't anywhere nice. We, actually, I take that back. So we were with Marines. So they were, we were not allowed to see anything nice whatsoever. They had the, the poop trucks all over the place, which is terrible. It was seriously bare necessities at this place. You were, we were lots of MREs, but the bad ones. They did no have a jelly mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. No, they didn't have any of them. No, no there's like, okay. So there's type A's and there's type B's. There's two different boxes. And it seems like we got the shitty end of the stick every single time. Not just the Navy. It was just, that's what that camp got. And it was horrid. It was just always like the, the, uh, the tortellini, and whatever, and the veggie omelets, and it was never anything like the barbecue rib or the burgers or the chili mac or, you know, anything good. So we're like, what the fuck? On our way back from that same trip to Oman, we stopped in Romania where the army is. I don't know why they're there, but it was a little spot that we stopped there. They had all of the good boxes. Like the place was stacked with nothing but good shit. I was like, mother 
motherfucker. They're hoarding it from you. That's what I believe happened. I honestly believe that to this For day. Sure. They were definitely hoarding it from you. Ryan, you've already told us a couple of really fantastic stories, but do you have like a phenomenal sea story that you can tell us today? As far as like foreign ports or what do you mean? Any favorite sea story? Like what is one that you love telling? I don't really get to tell them much. Roommate got really drunk out in Iraq. That was funny. You can't. That that was the most blandest story ever. Like, can we have like we 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 got during and after details? All right, we we got mailed. We got mailed out some alcohol to us. One of my good friends, my friend Jesse. Come in the Listerine bottle. Uh, I had apple juice bottles, which were filled with Jameson. And uh, my roommate, Moore, who, like, just turned 21, had a uh, Lipton Brisk iced tea one-liter bottle filled with Jack Daniels. So it was me and him, and we're, we're good friends and everything. He's from Nebraska. And then there was next door to us was uh, Bickle, who's from Iowa, and Casper, who's from uh, Arkansas. And he was, like, the, the, the four of us were the youngest guys that were part of this unit. But I, I think I was like maybe 25 at the time, but we were, we were just good friends. We both, we, all four of us worked our asses off and we just were like, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's save these, these drinks up to when we're all off or, you know, whatever we're, we're on a holiday routine the following day so that none of us have to go into work and we're all going to be okay to, you know, whatever. So one night it was, uh, so Bickle and I were in the same duty section and Casper and Moore were in the same duty section. So we didn't have anything else going on for the night. There was no more security or anything like that. So they're like, yeah, you know what? You guys can cut loose. Go ahead back to your guys' chew and uh, you guys can call it a night. So we're like, all right, cool. So we're walking back and uh, I get into my room and my roommate Moore is like snoring. And I mean, bad, like bad fucking snore. I was like, whatever, <laughs> dude. So I pop in the ear the ear pods or whatever and i turn on my ipad my ipod at the time my ipod <laughs> ipod cheers to ipods cheers to ipods which one was it um i think i had the ipod which one did i have it had the had the screen it wasn't like the original it wasn't like the iphone it had just the screen so where you would have to still Circ- put your finger like a circle yeah. to fast forward through shit. I'm a little yeah. <laughs> yes. OG iPod right there. I have one of those. I think I still have mine somewhere. I do. I do have it here. And my son keeps touching the screen on it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> so um, iPod mini. I put I put that in so I could put on my music and just kind of try to fall asleep. I'm laying there. All of a sudden you hear, eh, eh. I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and I look and I, I could smell it now. I'm like, oh, what is that? And I turn on the light and my roommate's face was like buried into his pillow. And I'm looking around and I could see like, it looks like straight dog shit all over the, uh, his little carpet that he, we both had like these little carpets by our bed. So when we put our feet down, it's not right on, you know, the, the two floor there. And it's just all over shit. And I was like, what the fuck? And I see the red solo cup. I was like, you motherfucker. I was like, you're drunk, aren't you? He looks up at me. He's like, 
Indeed I am, sir. And he just face plants right into his throat. And I had to I had to grab up his carpeting, all the shit that he threw up on, his, you know, the the canvas chair and everything like that. I had to go take it all out to the dumpster because I don't need anybody coming back by my room if in case we do have something that comes up at night that they're like, hey man, we need everybody back or whatever. So um, as I'm heading out with the garbage in my hands. My my buddy Bickle was like, "What's up, man?" I'm like, "Moore's drunk, dude." He's like, "I was wondering why Casper was knocked the fuck out already." <laughs> so the two of them were hanging out, playing PlayStation Three, playing um, Tiger Woods Golf, and they 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 ran out of Coca Cola, so they were just drinking Jack straight. And we haven't drank. This was like closer to the end of deployment. So it had to have been like seven, seven months since we drank. They just got wasted. Oh, they got destroyed. The bad. (laughs) Here's where it gets even worse. I don't have, uh, at this point, I was only like 25. I wasn't in a relationship or anything like that. We had Air Force that was around us. So... I had somebody that was supposed to come and see me in the morning and we were supposed, cause it was my day off and my roommate was supposed to be at work. Well, more goes into, you know, our, our, um, our compound to go to work and our LPO looks at him and says, you look like shit, dude. You should go back to your room and sleep, you know, get some rest because you don't look too good. He's like, okay. And all of a sudden, you know, I get the, I'm in my room. I know my Air Force girlfriend's coming over and she's going to be knocking soon. I get the knock at the door and I open it up and there's more. And he's like, Lapori said I look bad. And he told me to come back to get some rest. I'm sorry. He's just like, I'm sorry. Like, you motherfucker. He's like, I'll leave. I'll go to like the MWR or something. It's like, yeah, yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, you're not messing up my morning, bro. <laughs> As he was leaving, the girl was showing up, and she was already freaked out like to that kind of stuff already. And I was like, oh, no, don't worry. He's already leaving. He knew you were coming. She's like, what? You told him? I was like, what is he going to do? He's fucking drunk right now. Right, like, he doesn't even know what's going on. <laughs> oh, man. That was funny. <laughs> good time. Here's to the Air Force girl hookup. <laughs> Cheers to the Air Force girls. Those Air girls. I've heard they're wild. Um, I fell asleep on the side of a highway in Virginia after that deployment. I woke up. I woke up on the side of a highway. That's how that one went. Yeah. We got, we got back from Iraq, and it was just before 4th of July. So naturally, everybody's trying to get home for 4th of July, and they told us right away at PSD or whatever the place was called. They're like, we're going to give you a heads up right now. Nobody's making it home for 4th of July. And we're like, oh, well, there's that. <laughs> and uh, me, Moore, Casper, and Bickle all got together and we're drinking in the rooms. And then we decided we're going to go out to some place called Blazing Saddles in Virginia. We went to some place called the Sandbox first and then Blazing Saddles. We got drunk. One I of those places the- sound like a great place to go. <laughs> Blazing Saddles. It's a it's a country uh, bar with uh, line dancing. I've never been there, but I've definitely heard of it. Fell asleep in the back of the rental car as Casper was trying to call his wife, and I was snoring. 
And then uh, he got out of the car and went and uh, because they all stopped at IHOP to get something to eat. Casper walked, went for a walk through the parking lot so he could talk to his wife. And when he got back in the car, I was missing. And uh, they couldn't find me. <laughs> I was across the highway from IHOP at the gas station. I fell asleep between two bushes that were right at the uh, the base of where the uh, the price, the, you know, where they show the prices. Yeah. And, and, um, that is such the a next, easy thing to do, by the way. The next, the next morning I wake I up. Before, but it's very probable. The next morning I wake up to like the, uh, a truck's like air horn going off. Just, I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like looking around. I don't know. Cause it's like, it doesn't tell you names to streets. So I'm like, I don't know where I am. I can't find my wallet. I'm pretty positive my dignity's gone too. Um, so luckily I was able to find my phone and I called, I was calling more. I was calling Bickle. I kept calling them back and forth and back and forth and nobody was picking up. I was freaking out. And finally Bickle picked up and he's like, yeah, just go into the IHOP, bro. I know where you're at. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? You know where I'm at? He's like, I know where you're at, dude. I'll be there in a little bit. Just go and get something. To eat. I was like, I don't know where my wallet is. He's like, we got your wallet, bro. We'll be there in a little bit. Just go get something in the IHOP. I was like, how the fuck do you know where I am? They showed up and they're like, where the fuck were you? I was like, I was over there. They're like, why? I was like, I don't know. Fuck <laughs> if I know. Right. Last thing I remember was some guy gave us a dirty look as we was leaving Blazing Saddles. I was like, we should fight him. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I feel like I need to go to that bar. I've never been there. Hey, one more road trip and let's go. Yeah, when we get to the armpit, we're going to go hit it up. Sounds like a great time. Yeah. You want us to pick you up on the way, Ryan? No, it's already been determined that I am not going to the softball tournament. Oh, bummer. Yeah. We but, needed your athletic ability. Right? Because we don't have it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. One of us does not have it. <laughs> anyway, we had so much fun like you did on Active Duty. And we have sea stories for days and like shenanigans and like life was a shit show. And, but at the same time, glorious. Eventually, we all have to transition from being active duty to being a veteran. How was your – I know you're still in the reserves, but how was your transition from – being active duty into the reserves and then into civilian life, Ben? It was hard. It hit me really, really badly when I got out of active duty because I didn't go straight into the reserves. I, I was on a bad downward spiral, actually. My, uh, my parents were worried about me. Uh, I was, you know, bar hopping every night. It, it was bad. It was like uh, I was still living at Who the fuck did I live with? Sorry, I know I'm not supposed to be swearing on podcasts or whatever the hell it is. But. He always marks. Oh, no, our, our podcast is totally correct. Like, you swear away. Okay. So I lived with my brother when I first got out, and that was a problem for him. His roommate, who is like family to us, loved that I was living there because it pissed my brother off. But, yeah, I, I, I started going to the bars heavily. Um, they had dollar pint nights on Ooh. my days off, which was, yeah, it was, it was dangerous. Yeah. Um, so I was drinking a lot, um, left my brother's place, had to move back in with my parents 
and I was seeing a girl for a little bit and I had a job, but we were still drinking a lot. It was just, I, I had that, that itch, that feeling like I was missing it still. You know, I wanted to move back to San Diego. I wanted to be back in the Navy. Uh, so I did the reserve thing, got back into the reserves, found out I was deploying to Iraq, left for Iraq, did that first deployment out there, boots on ground, came back and, uh, I wound up meeting my wife and everything like that. And I was like, all right, this is, this is cool. I started going to school full time to go get my degree. I was occupied. My, I, I was like, this is great. I love it. Um, I, got in, I got involved with the veterans organization. Actually, we started the veterans organization at the community college that I was at. And I was helping vets out. And I, I was loving it. Um, but I did. I got that itch again. I, I, I needed to be back down range. I needed to get back out to Iraq. There was people out there. And I felt guilty that I wasn't doing my part. I, I was getting a lot of high anxiety too. Crowded places, too much going on at one time, the chaos, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't organize the chaos. And when I would try to organize the chaos, people didn't listen. So it, it, would, it would upset me even more. You know, with the military, there's always an organization to our chaos. There was always a method to our madness. To, to somebody standing on, on a flight deck, would think that everything looks like it's it's scattered and all over the place. But for you two, you'd look at, a, oh, they're doing this and they're doing that and they're standing by to do that and they're doing this and, you know, everything makes sense to you. exactly what they were doing. Yeah. To me, it, it, it's still to this day, it bothers me. When there's too much going on in my household, I have to step outside and take a walk. So I deployed again. I did 13 months, came back. And uh, I think I think that was the one that made it click for me. That I didn't, I, I made, I started getting the conference calls. You, you as a first class, I know you'll remember the conference calls, the late hours, the, all that shit. Yep. And it was just like, you know what, this is, this is not what I expected the upper to be about. I thought uppers just kind of like showed up and that was it. And uh, so I wound up getting with uh, ACB1 at one point. And I was out in San Diego again, which was really cool for me because I got to see a lot of old friends I hadn't seen in years. But again, I made first class, which was a horrible, horrible thing. I mean, it's great to make rank and everything, but... Right. It's, again, hard, to, it's hard to transition from that E5 level where you you have like minimal responsibility, but you still have responsibility, but you can still be everyone's friend to yeah. go into that first class role where now like no one can be your friend. Uh, it, there was that, um, but you had to be friends with the other first classes who were all like, D bags and stuff. Right. But um, one of the great things that I got out of it was the leadership quality, being able to talk to people, being able to listen to people, empathize with people, uh, lead from the front. You know, going to, as soon as I got there, I was working my ass off to get my quals and everything like that, so nobody could really question what I was doing there, uh, which made a big deal. Uh, to me and they're like right off the bat they're like we want you to be lpo of of our company i was like wait i i just showed up you have all these other first classes how it is in active duty it's normally like oh well he's been here a long time he knows what he's doing we'll make him lpo no it was like i was the new first class on the block and everybody was like what the fuck do you mean you're making him lpo he's like well he's here he got his quals done right away he's involved with everything he's out here all the time he's going to be the new lpo I was, I was hardcore in line for chief and I'm still a first class. We're looking at five years later. So it, a lot of it added up on me and it all fell apart. 
because I couldn't keep up with my Navy life because I had a lot going on in my, my home life. And I, I realized that I don't know who I was outside of the Navy. And it kind of made a big deal to me that if I take off that uniform, who am I supposed to be? Am I just, you know, a dad? Am I a husband? Am I a, what, what the fuck? If, if all this shit goes away tomorrow, who am I supposed to be? What the fuck do I want to do with my life? What, what makes me happy? And I still have to this day, I, I have no fucking clue. Sitting here by a fire drinking whiskey, that's a good start. But I decided uh, last year, about November, because I, I started getting that, kind, it was kind of an itch, but it, it wasn't that full on, I need to go to the military itch. It was, I need to do something. I need to start something. I need, I need to do something. So I started doing a march, uh, a ruck march, um, last year around November. November 2nd is actually when I did it. I raised around $2,000 from an organization called the Headstrong Project. And the VFW, the local VFW found out about it. And they're like, well, what is this? What can we do? And then this year we hosted one for the VFW. It was their first, my second of a 20 mile march. Can uh, we, we raised, can go we ahead. Second and cheers to the VFW. Hell yeah. I love my VFW. VFW is one of the most amazing programs out there and is so underutilized right now. And so the fact, you're so right. yeah. the fact that you're bringing it up, like the VFW saved more than once. Oh, I love them. I, the guys, so they're all older guys at mine right now. Majority of them Vietnam vets that, you know, they're, they're. And we're about to lose them and we're not as, we're not taking advantage of the program that is the VFW, which I am 100% a supporter of. And I'm so petrified that as these last era of Vietnam veterans fade away from our lives that we're not there to carry the torch and keep it going. And we're going to start losing a lot of these great resources that come with having a VFW or an American Legion locally. One of the things that we're running into with the VFW was you had Vietnam. Yeah. You had a few conflicts in between you had desert storm, which not many people were involved in. And then you have this, the, the large, generational gap that's involved between Vietnam and what we're in right now is huge. It's, it's ridiculous. The amount of the, the size of the gap, but these guys are giving me like full reign. They're like, Ryan, what do you want to do here? What, what, you know, so I started this March thing that is going to continue on. They want to do this every single year. Now it raised $15,000 for the headstrong. Are project. you doing it for the irrelevant warriors? What's that? You did it solo, or, or are you doing it through irrelevant warriors? We just did it. We just did it. it it's it's it, we we did it through the VFW. They're they're yeah. nonprofit, and the money was donated. I sent you the uh, the article. I think I emailed it to you. Yeah. Um. We we just donated it all over to the Headstrong Project, and what we found out with that fifteen thousand dollars. It gets uh, three veteran families, three of them, family counseling for an entire year at no cost to those families. That's huge. Yeah, huge. I mean, you think about how how many families have been ruined because it, it's either the veteran will not get help or the family can't understand what's going on. They don't speak the same language. They don't. They don't get what the veteran is going through. Yes. You know, 
the so, treatment process has changed so much, even in the last yeah. few years, from going from just helping the veteran to helping the family unit. Because if your family can't get behind you and understand the struggles that you're going through, then the help you're getting is pretty much worthless. Yeah, you're very, very right. And it, it, it's, it takes everybody to understand the sickness or whatever you want to call it, the, you know, the issue for crap that we all deal with. Yeah. So it, it's amazing to what this organization has done and it's only in a few States right now. It's not in, it's not nationwide. I, I I want to help them to go nationwide. That's why I wound up getting on uh, TikTok to help push them a little bit further. Uh, So it's, it's been, it's been great doing that. Um, It, it's kept me a little bit more occupied and keep my mind off everything else. Now I'm, I'm, you know, getting back into fishing and and being outside and taking my kids out and being part of my family unit, which has been amazing and, and trying to figure out who this, this Brazzle character is, you know, um, trying to figure out what I want to do with my life because I, I don't want it to revolve around, drinking no offense against a veteran drinking vodka i'm drinking well, my whiskey. we have this great name uh-huh. that's just drinking vodka but we're so much more like we are not i guess yeah, yeah no but we're so much more than that which is amazing and we're so blessed and so heartwarmed that people are embracing what we're doing which is incredible because absolutely like that is our that is our podcast name and it's super catchy and it's a lot it of is fun. i like it but at the end I of the love day, it. it's not about drinking. It's about finding the help you need to keep going in your life. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I've talked with uh, a couple of our mutual friends and everything like that. And I, I love what they've done. They've taken their own experiences and invited other veterans out to try and share it and uh, take the same positive vibes that that person has taken from it. Uh, so that that's, that's really... It, it, in a long, long, long story, even longer, that that's pretty much how my transition has been. It, it's it's been a struggle, but through you know trial and error, it's. Are you going to retire? I training? will retire. Yeah, 2024. I retire. I'm doing 22 years, and everybody is invited. It's going to be off the fucking hook. Yeah, 2024. We'll be there. We'll be there with. Veterans drinking vodka bells on to get you. Um, oh, bring your element, everything. I plan. I already talked with one of the good friends that I've had, uh, my friend Tim Legaspi. I told him I want to do a celebrity roast <gasps> for my retirement. Maybe by twenty twenty four, Amber and I will be celebrities. <laughs> well, it'll be a roast for me as I'm retiring, but uh, we'll have you know close buddies of mine who are kind of ruthless, maybe a little bit more um, bar none style ruthless to be up on the, uh, up on we the can stage. Cheers to the GFC real quick. To the GFC. 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 Good friends club. Good, good friends club. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let us ask you, how are you doing now? Like right now, right now? Like in your life right now, how are you doing? I am, I am so... <laughs> The way that I like to put it is the day-to-day I'm a mess, but in the big picture, I am blessed. That's, that's a great analogy. I might start using that. Copyrighted. Oh, we have to pay you royalties. Hashtag links in uh, bios and or what is it? Link is in bio. Merch link in bio. Whoop. Thank you. I'm going to have so, my attorney go over that and see if I can start using it. 
his quote that says, I'm a day-to-day mess, but a... In the big picture, big I'm picture, blessed. In the big picture, I'm blessed. In the big picture, I'm blessed. Yes. I'm going to have my attorney, who also happens to be one of my very best friends, look into that for me and see if I can steal it from you. So <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not that um, So how am I doing? I am, I'm seriously, I'm very well. It, I mean, that is probably the best way to put me was the, the day to day. I'm a mess because I am, I'm, I'm a, it's little things that trigger me off. And I hate that word trigger, but, but for lack of any better word, that's what I am. I get triggered. Yeah. I still struggle day to day. I have a four year old that screams at the top of his lungs. I have him and three of my, all three of my kids, loud banging noises throughout the house. I'm a cop. So a lot of other things. And I've been diagnosed with high, what the hell they call it? High hypervigilancy. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. It's very common. Uh, among veterans. So I'm, I constantly see everything. I love people watching. I love people watching, especially at Walmart. But, um, <laughs> it, it's little things that hit me off and then they constantly build and build and, and then it becomes really fast, like a, a, a downhill pace in which it, and then I just explode. But there's other days where I just look around and be like, I'm not even supposed to be here. This is amazing. My house is wonderful. My wife is amazing. My kids are just unreal. My daughter is like an old soul, as everybody always puts it. She's just so smart and loving and just fantastic. But I find myself yelling, and my wife is not a yeller. Uh, but that's that's pretty much where I'm at with with my life i when i look at the big picture and everything that's going on when i was when i was much younger learning disabilities and all that shit um like when i was telling you guys when i was going to be leaving or supposed to be doing college and i couldn't handle it i could i just couldn't sit in a fucking classroom anymore um i i really didn't think i was going to go anywhere when i got back from active duty i was taking those shitty security jobs like every veteran does Yep. Um, I wasn't seen outside a box. I wasn't seen outside of Chicago. I wasn't seen outside of anything. I just figured everything was just supposed to fall on my lap. And as I got older, it was just like, I got to figure something out. So here I am rocking it. We agree. We agree. And we also appreciate that you're still struggling because a lot of us still are as well. It's, it's when we can recognize that part because a lot of people – especially the ones who struggle and say nothing are the ones who are the ones who need it the most and they really need to speak up and they really need to say something and get the help that they need. Um, there, there, there are so many programs out there now because of said reasons, because people don't feel comfortable with saying that I'm not okay. Understanding that you break out screaming or getting into fights or it's, it's not okay. It's not how adults are supposed to act. Right. Okay, so if you actually had some advice for someone that was getting ready to be a veteran or someone that has been a veteran for a while and struggling to find their way, what advice would that be? Find out who you are without the uniform. That's going to be probably the most important thing that you could ever learn. I'm still working on that. And that's only because I found out not too long ago that I need to figure out what makes me happy. 
I don't get me wrong. I love being married. Um, I wouldn't even know what to do in this dating pool today. God bless you because it's a fucking nightmare. It is <laughs> dating is a nightmare in 2020. I could no. not imagine this. Shit. I love my kids. I love being a dad. I love being a husband. But that still is not what defines who I am. I need to find out what makes me happy. I, I'm taking off that uniform within the next less than four years for good. And I need to figure out who I am without that uniform. I don't want to be the bar fly. I don't want to be. How does that make you feel? To be able to take off the uniform for good. Yeah. So I, I'm never going to miss the military. I miss the people. Yeah. I miss the 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 people that you were stuck awake for 30, 40 hours with, um, living off of Red Bulls and Rippets and coffee and shitty MREs and quote unquote hot meals or hot plates that was bullshit because they were fucking cold by the time you got them. I miss those people. That's that's what I miss is looking back at those. I find that when I go and meet up with other veterans. I find that building my own circle of guys who want to go out and go fish, go hike, go camp, go, you know, go and do something with our lives, go and see something. I miss the traveling, going and seeing a new culture or seeing something outside the norm. And I've come to realize that it, it wasn't the military that made my life so great. The military made my life very mundane and horrible for the day to day. But when you looked at the big picture of it, it could, it was an amazing thing. And that's what I look at with my life. So when I do the day to day and I have to go to my, you know, my job and I do my time and I put it in, and I finally make a decent wage that I'm like, you know what? I want to go and travel somewhere with my wife. She's my friend. I want to go somewhere with her. And I'll tell her like, hey, we should go to like the Carolinas. I don't know, sometime around June. And that would be fun. And she's like, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to deal with that hot mess. I was like, ah, that's understandable. Beach. <laughs> well, um, but getting away from, you know, the, the everyday life, if you were to do that every single day, it wouldn't be getting away from the everyday life. So I know that the, the day in day out bullshit has to happen to make little moments even better. Yeah. Um, getting rid of the uniform. It sucks because there's a lot of junior sailors that I work with that I'm very proud of what they're becoming. I have one, he's going to be heading down range soon. I actually have one, she's down range. And she's contacted me a few times through Facebook that she's not okay. You know, and she, she even apologized. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm in my feelings right now. And I don't know who else to contact. She's like, I know it's not always appropriate. She's in, she's a QM too. She's fairly young. She's like, I know it's not appropriate to contact you. I was like, no, no, no. I'm, I was part of your chain of command. It's okay. And it would be a completely professional thing just talking with her. And I'm like, you need to go through your chain of command out there though as well. Right now we're just talking, but you do need to 
follow up with them. She had a lot of things going on back at home. Um, I'd have another one. He's a young, he's a young uh, LS3. He's going on his first deployment and he's scared shitless. Um, he's getting mobilized and I'm trying to walk him through this. And I'm like, I can't be there with him. And I feel terrible. And I still get that feeling. Like I got all these young guys that are looking to me now for the leadership. And I feel bad that I can't be there for them anymore. But right. they will always have my information. It, it, uh, one of the, some of the best things that I've ever heard was, we like you because you're approachable. I'm a dick. Don't get me wrong. I have that pucker effect on people. I am. Sunday when you come to our hangouts. <laughs> yeah, I can't a little bit. I'm a, when a Marine tells you like you're a little intimidating. I'm like, <laughs> like stop crossing your arms, Ryan. <laughs> that actually is standing it's right this, now. Right, that rock. Yes, yes. You, you can't put your hands in your pockets. Okay, so this is this is where I'm at. Your you. arms are just rock. That's what I do. Yep. <laughs> but you know, being able to be told by a junior sailor that I'm approachable and I have positive criticism. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of times where it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. You were you just shit on my day. You fucked up everything. What the hell's wrong with you? But I will take them aside and I'll I'll correct it. I'll fix them. It's that's the stuff that I'm going to miss the junior sailors and teaching. And I love, I love teaching. I love training these guys and getting them up to my level. Right. That was one of my favorite things to do when I was in the service. Was it was great. Yeah. Yeah. So if then everybody else can go fuck themselves. Right. Yeah. Just go fuck yourself. Even this I just want to make, I want to make BMC before I get out. So I have the big hat and like the cutlass. Yeah. So Hang out and have sword fights with other retired chiefs. We're retirement <laughs> for sure, so that we can see the shit show. So make yeah. sure you send us an invite. Um, on that note, if our viewers wanted to talk to you, if they needed some mentorship, if they just had general questions that they were comfortable reaching out to you for, where can they reach you? I should probably start a new email account, huh? <laughs> probably for vets yeah. um i'll probably do the broken arrow i'm, I'm gonna make a new account uh broken arrow gmail.com okay uh, if anything changes i'll put it i'll uh i'll give it to you before yeah, just, I, don't it, yeah. I don't know if it's an available one just yet but i'll make sure that you have it i'll put it in the show notes so broken arrow of some kind at gmail.com um uh, mm -hmm. He's going to create one just for you guys and I'll put it in the show notes. So if you would like to contact Ryan and if you have any questions about either what he's doing now or what he's done in the past, or if you just need someone to reach out to just check out the show notes and he'll be available for you. For show. <laughs> All right, Amber, do you want to discuss a little bit about the charity that we've chosen to support this episode? Sure. So on top of continuing our support for the Tilvahala project, we are also supporting the Fallen Outdoors. They are a veteran started, veteran ran uh, organization that takes veterans across the country hunting and fishing. The only requirement is that you have an honorable discharge from the military. So you're DD-214. Yes. You don't have to have a VA rating. You don't have to... Nope. No need something special. 
They will take you be a special veteran. You don't have to be a Purple Heart veteran. You don't have to be anything. You just have to be honorable, and they will help you out. Well, I'm I yep, have honorable be, discharge. I don't know about being honorable, but <laughs> I'm sure they'll take you, Ryan, if you get a hold of them. They're they're across the whole country. They can be found at thefallenoutdoors.com. Is that who Eddie's with? No, no, Eddie is with Tackle Twenty Two. Yeah, he's he is just Tackle Twenty Two. That is his own okay. thing. Yeah, Tackle Twenty Two isn't across the whole country yet. No, it's just local where he's at. I know he's in yeah. Georgia, but I thought he was off of there like 401c3. I think I'm saying that right. 501. It's a 501. Yeah, you were close. Yeah, all good. But yeah, no, Eddie is Eddie started his own thing. He's doing a great thing with Tackle 22 Fishing, oh, and that's local. Huge to fan. But huge yeah, absolutely. And we're thankful. Like, we've got a podcast coming out shortly with him on it. Or by the time this one comes out, we'll already have one out with him on it. But Fallen Outdoors is actually a nationwide program, state by yeah. state. I have to find it then. I definitely have to get in touch with them. Yes. Yes, you do. We've like got a great contact for you, Ryan. Catch when me. you go on their website, though, when you go on their website and you can pick which region of the country you're in, and because they have local chapters and stuff, but they'll, they'll take you hunting and fishing. Absolutely. It's a great program. In order to support these organizations, that Amanda and I are bringing up. We do have merch for sale. Our, our t-shirt. Do what? Said buy our shit. Buy our shit. We have t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, hoodies, and tank tops for sale on Bonfire with the Veterans Drinking Vodka logo. We don't have our custom designs out yet. And we also have koozies and stickers. And if you want to get a hookup on those, you need to reach out to Amanda and I. And how can they do that, Amanda? Where can they find us? Well, if they would like to find us for either merchandise or questions or anything, we are always here for you 100%. Good, bad, ugly, if you just need someone to talk to you, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. Or you can email us at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Please reach out to us. If you just need someone to talk to, or if you are interested in coming on the show and sharing your story. Or want to do karaoke. Or, or want to do karaoke. karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or karaoke. We can be found on any of the social media platforms. Like Amanda had mentioned, just send us a DM or shoot us an email at theveteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. If you like our podcast and you like what we're doing, subscribe on Podbean. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or Amazon. We also would like for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, constructive criticism will take us a long way. It also helps with the podcast world of algorithms. So the more that you leave us a review, leave us a rating, whatever the case might be, it helps for more veterans. Share us. It helps more veterans to hear what we're doing and to hear the stories and know that they are not alone. You can also join us on Sundays for our veterans after hours via Zoom. It's a fun shit show that starts at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. It is a shit show. However, we are hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends. We do have to put the disclaimer out there that it is a live, unscripted veteran after hours event so join at your own risk even though we do invite civilian active duty and veterans 
Yes. It's a fun time though. Is it fun, Ryan? Yeah, Ryan's been that, really that, that's definitely that's definitely a word to describe what happens. <laughs> um there's there's plenty of words that could be used, but it it's it's an amazing um I had a blast and met some amazing people I wouldn't have met before. Um and I really love it. And I hope to meet up on all of my Sundays. Yes, we hope to have you there. We yes. pop in. And hopefully on a Sunday in the future we'll watch you chase a criminal again. <laughs> you gotta gotta get the uh um uh, Amber, you got to get this song, uh, Bad Boys, ready. Yes, so, all right. Uh, yes. Deal. Yeah, that's happening on a Sunday coming up. So if y'all want to see Ryan in his new post-military cop duties, chase after the bad guys, we've got the song ready to go, and he'll be there to uh, <laughs> not actually show us what he's doing because he gets excited and throws his phone on the chair. But uh, <laughs> It stays in the squad. I can't really take you guys out live with me. <laughs> We, they already got rid of PD live. <laughs> but we track him and we make up our own commentary to what he's doing. So if you want to be part of that? <laughs> do you do you record did you record that that Sunday? Yeah, I did. I want to hear the commentary from that. <laughs> I do. I'll send it to you. It was glorious. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, that was uh I remember the call too, so that was awesome. Yeah, we had fun with you that night. <laughs> You weren't even part of it. No, I wasn't there, but I got back and everybody just sees the the, the flashing lights like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, so you never know what's going to happen on the after hours. So if you want to be part of the shenanigans and the shit show that we have created, like, come on. Come on. Yes. But in all seriousness, and the reason why Amanda and I started this podcast was not only to hear veteran stories and to share them with other veterans, but to bring about mental health awareness and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. And 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans Drinking Vodka. Cheers. Cheers.